0: What a blast to be together on Easter. And uh, even though we're meeting differently this year than we ever had before, uh, we're still together and we're still together celebrating uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And so happy Easter, everybody. And I hope and pray that you've had a great week and I hope that you're gathered together uh, with people that you love, either in person in your homes or online here as a community. And we can certainly... Uh, take this weekend and focus on who Jesus is and on what he did for us and the magnitude of Easter. You know, Easter, everything hinges on Easter, uh, not just our faith, but it does hinge on Easter, but history and the way that we think about life, uh, the power of what Jesus did when he rose again from the dead. Uh, we would go back to that as Christians, we would go back to that and say our faith hinges there, that we don't worship the memory of God or the concept of God, but actually worship and interact with a living, risen Savior. History bounces around Easter. And then even our mindset, uh, the idea that we can come back from something or that God can turn something negative into something positive, that all is tied to the Easter idea that when Jesus turned it on its ear, right, when he took a defeat and turned it into a victory, when he moved from death to life and he resurrected again, we would look and find great hope and great power and great celebration in that. So that's what we want to do this weekend, uh, celebrate that, continue to celebrate that and uh, to see how God is going to use that in our own lives. The, the event of, of Easter is massive. And when I look at Easter and I think about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, I don't think of it as a climactic ending to a dramatic story. I think of it as a powerful beginning to a incredible mission that Jesus sends his people and his church on. I wrote it this way in my notes. I said the resurrection was not the conclusion of Jesus's mission to humanity. It was the launching pad for it. And it was from the resurrection that Jesus then looked to his disciples and then through the pages of scripture to us and to who became his church and said, I want you to take my resurrection. I want you to take my victory. I want you to take the power of what I have done and I want to launch you. I want to send you. I want to move you into all the world. And I want you to tell that story again and again and again. Uh, you find the the resurrection account in all four Gospels. So if, uh, if you're not familiar with what the Gospels are, they're the first four books of the New Testament. The second part of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all some of Jesus' disciples and they recorded. They recorded a lot of what he said and a lot of the events around his life. And so they all four recorded the resurrection and they didn't just record the resurrection events that Jesus did die and did raise again from the dead. But they also recorded this mission or commission that he gave to his church. So Look at this, it's on the screen. John chapter 20, verse 21, one of the gospels. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me, I am sending you. Uh, Mark 16, he said it this way. He said, go into all the world and preach preach the gospel or the good news of my salvation or my resurrection and do that to all of creation. Uh, the book of Luke chapter 24 Verse 45 and following says this. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And the repentance and the forgiveness for sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Matthew, the fourth one that we'll look at, 28 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. And Jesus raises again from the dead. He, he interacts with his disciples, first the women who came to the tomb and then his disciples in the upper room and out of those events. It's not just this incredible victory over sin and death, but it's this launching pad that is the the mission or the life or the calling of the follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't just merely survive his trials or just endure the cross, he conquered it. He, He advanced it, he launched the Great Commission or the great mission of the Church out of it he didn't kind of hunker up and get through it. He took ground because of it and that's the conversation I want to have starting this weekend and that we're going to have here for the next few weeks you know we're we're in this weird phase of history right now where we have been going through some really, really hard times, right? Uh, we've been dealing with this COVID-19 epidemic. We've been working on trying to stay socially distant from each other, trying to stay home. The reason that we're talking over a screen right now instead of in person, like we've been doing all of that. We've been fighting through the ideas of isolation and the breaking of routines and the disappointments of things that we had planned, but we're not gonna do. And then we've been wrestling with, right, the, we've been wrestling with the economic out, uh, outplay of this. We've been wrestling with losing jobs and cutting hours and, and all that that means. It's a difficult time right now. And we've been talking about how to count those things as joy as we go through it. And I really believe that we need to elevate that conversation one more step that not only should we count it as joy and find peace and comfort and hope in our relationship with Christ and because of our faith, but I believe that we should look at this time and start asking the question, how do we take ground? How do we advance? How do we take something that is a trial, that is difficult, that we have to endure? And how do we not only endure it, and not only kind of get through it, but how do we advance from it? And what do we do spiritually? How can we use this? What what can we do for God? And what can we allow God to do in us during this time? And how do we take this ground that is before us and these opportunities that God has opened up for us? And I believe that when you start looking at what Jesus did in the resurrection and through it, and you start to get your head around what he's called his church to and what he wants the church to do, you start to see that this is to be the mindset of a Christ follower. Uh, The outcome of the resurrection is undisputably the, the, the victory of Jesus. And it is undebatably the empowerment and the commissioning of his church that Jesus would say, because of what I've done. Now, you guys push forward with this. Take ground from it. Take the gospel with you. Go and make disciples and advance the kingdom because of it. And God would look at his followers and say, the, the, the victory that I won for you and the salvation that I provided for you, I want you to think and operate and, and move forward as a person who stands in that victory that I purchased for you and I illustrated through my resurrection. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul kind of picks up on this mindset and this idea, if you got your Bibles, you can open them and go to Romans. Romans uh, chapter 8 is where we'll look at. Romans chapter 8, this is the way that Paul says it, starting with verse 31. You can read this together with me if you want. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, he says this. He, he's talking about coming out of trials and coming out of difficulties. He's talking about being led by the Holy Spirit or the power of God in the people of God. And he kind of does this all the way through chapter 8. I'll let you read it on your own. He, he talks about this, how our, our sufferings lay up future glory for us, how God's going to use them, how he's going to redeem all of that. And then he comes to kind of this conclusion in verse 31 and following chapter 8 of Romans. He says this, what then shall we say in response to these things, to these mindsets, accounting it as joy, to, to, to moving and enduring the trial? What shall we say in conclusion to these things or in response to them? And he says this. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us For it is written, for you, uh, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he kind of shouts this. He goes, No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, Nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you look at these phrases, I want you to see this. Look what Paul says in these phrases. He says things like this He says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He would look at his people, the people of God, and he'd say, "Wait a minute, Let, let's just define the argument here for a second. If God is for us, then who's going to be against us? Who is greater than God? Who's more loving than God? Who's more powerful than God? Who, who, who has a greater cause or mission than God? So if God is for us, who can be against us? Another phrase, he says this, he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So Paul asks this question and puts a bit of reason and logic into it, where he would look at his followers and say, guys, hang on a second. If, if I didn't spare my own son, if I gave my son Jesus, Christ suffered, persevered, endured the cross, rose again. If I am going to give you my son, do you think I am going to forget about you in the middle of your trial and suffering? I mean, let's just let's get a clarity on this. If I am going to give you my son, I am I'm, I'm not going to I am not going to dump you in the middle of hard times. So let's let's put that piece of logic in place, and then he asked this question. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, shall, shall troubles do that? Are, are troubles too great for Christ and his love for us? Hardship? Is that the one where it's just it's just so difficult? Jesus can't get over that one. Will that be how that works? Or persecution or famineness or nakedness or danger or sword? So he's building a logic. If God's in front of us, who's against us? And if I love you so much, I gave you my son, why would I withdraw my love from you? So if I love you and my love and my power are before you, who's going to, what's going to get in the way of that or disrupt that? And then he asks this question or he comes to this conclusion. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. It's a really important part of the verse. We are more than conquerors spiritually. We are more than conquerors of danger, uh, of hardships, of persecution, of need, famine, nakedness. We're not defeated. We're not destroyed. We're more than conquerors through Christ not through positive thinking, not through willpower, not through the, 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 the human spirit. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. The power of the resurrection, the victory of the resurrection, the math of the resurrection, right? That we would count something as joy even though it's hard. The math of the resurrection all plays out in our life and our salvation because of Christ and Christ in us. And then Paul kind of says this. He says, I'm convinced. If this is the logic, if God is for us, nobody can be against us. If he gave us his own son and who laid his life down and more than that, took it up again. If, if, if nothing's going to separate us, what's bigger than God? Nothing's bigger than God. That makes us conquerors because of Christ. We're able to be above all of these circumstances and be above any sense of earthly defeat because Christ is going to work those things to the good of those who love him. Doesn't mean he's going to make us rich. Doesn't mean he's going to make us famous. Doesn't mean your hair is going to grow back, but he's going to, rise above, there's going to be a eternal glory, a eternal reward. So we are more than conquerors. That should be our mindset. And then he looks here and he says, here's what I think for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, the present, the future, powers, height, death, or anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Look where we're at. Look who God is. Look what God has done. Look at the depth of his love illustrated through his son. Look at the enormity of his power illustrated through Christ's resurrection. If all of that is in me now, if that is available to me, what could possibly be around me that's greater than that, that's more powerful than that, that has the ability to allow anything to happen to me beyond what God would want me to go through or God would want me to experience, I'm convinced there's nothing, nothing, spiritual, physical, dangers, hardships, there's nothing in creation that can remove me or separate me from being a person who is a conqueror through Christ and through who he is and what he did and through the salvation that he offers me. When I look at this passage here in Romans and I read that, it puts a little fire in my belly. And when I think about that idea and think, man, if that's who I am and that's what God has done, what what mindset should I have about the circumstances I'm in right now? Because these are not motivational sayings. That's not what Paul's doing. He he's not saying you know, get these things and get a tattoo of it and put it on a t-shirt right before you run a marathon. These are not motivational sayings. They're not meant to be self-centered. I am a conqueror, the human spirit, the positive thinking. They're not meant to be self-centered or self-serving. What this passage is here in Romans chapter eight is a clear declaration from God to his followers, reminding us that as we engage in earthly battles of faith, the eternal war has been fought and won by Jesus Christ on the cross. I can't hear you right now, but you should be standing up yelling amen in your kitchen. That's huge. That is so huge. Paul, Paul is not giving us sayings to empower the Holy, to empower the human spirit. He's looking at us and saying, no, no, no. As a Christ follower, this is who you are. And this is what has been done from you. It's not because of you. It's because of Christ in you. It's through Christ you are more than a conqueror. In any earthly battle that you face or any earthly battle that you have to come up against, a hardship A danger, a place of need, a spiritual battle. None of it is greater than Christ in you. You fight these earthly battles, but you fight these earthly battles from a position of victory. The war has been won, sin has been defeated, Satan has been defeated, death has been overcome. There is no way for you to lose in Christ. Even if one of these hardships took our life, we're immediately in the presence of a loving and powerful God healed and whole and complete. God is our provider. God is our strength. God is our joy. God is our wisdom. It's all given to us through Christ because of the resurrection and because of what Christ endured. And he coming straight out of the grave, went right to his people and said, now you go and you do that and you function as an overcomer. You function as a conqueror. You function as as a people of God. You are full of my power as you go and do that. And that's the position, the position, the mindset, from which you would live your life and function as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that position and that mindset absolutely changes everything. It changes the way that I operate spiritually. It changes the way that I function in my everyday life. It changes how I approach my faith and my view of God. When I can trust that I am secure God's before me. Who can be against me? I am loved. God doesn't forget me. He didn't even spare his own son. I am safe. Who can possibly separate us? I am identified. I'm a conqueror through Christ. And I am as secure as can be. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. And when I can take that mindset and I can take that truth out of Scripture, and weave that into my heart and into my everyday life, it causes me to face battles from a position of victory instead of doubt or fear or defeat. This last summer, uh, I had to go out to a a conference in uh, California and uh, I was speaking out there a little bit. And so I asked my youngest son, Eli, if uh, he wanted to go with me. And so it was a little bit of a deal. I'm like, if you sit and wait on dad for two days, then I'll add a couple days to the trip and you and I will just go goof off together. And so he was great and was super patient with me. And then the conference was over and we got to go goof off. So we went up to Lake Tahoe and uh, it was beautiful up there. And we did uh, some things in Lake Tahoe. We went horseback riding and played putt-putt golf and went up on the ski lifts to see things. Uh, But one of the things we decided to do was go on a high ropes course. And so I kind of surfed around the Internet a little bit. I found this high ropes course and it was supposed to be the the most challenging one in all of Lake Tahoe. So this is a picture of Eli and I with our gear on uh, getting to go on this on this high ropes course. Now, the high ropes course was Eli's idea, not my idea. I was just being a loving father. I don't like heights. And so Eli was all amped up about going on this high ropes course. And I was, I think I was just afraid to be shown up by a 13 year old. So I decided to go. Um, But I do not like heights. And I don't, I don't just not like them. Like I don't do well with them. Like I'm the kind of a guy that if I get up too high, um, I'll like get dizzy up there, right? Like I don't, I don't do well. And I'll, the, the, the the world will start to spin on me a little bit. And so not only do I not like heights, I'm kind of a little afraid of them, but I get wobbly when I'm up high and then I'll get a little bit dizzy. And the less safe I feel, the the worse it is, right? So we wanna go on these high ropes course, well, some of these cables and nets and obstacles that we're going to go on, some of them are 30, 40 feet in the air. Like your feet are 30 or 40 feet in the air in and, and, and these big trees. And I was pretty scared to do it, right? So, what you do is you harness up. And then they have like this safety line that is above you. And then they have lots of wobbly, unsafe things that are meant to kill you below you. And you're supposed to go across these obstacles or climb them or swing to them. And then you get to kind of the end of that. And there was a zip line then. And then you would hook your safety line, kind of move it to the the zip line. And then you would jump and you would zip 30, 40 feet in the air down to the, to the next thing. And so this was a big ropes course that we were there for three, four hours. You would kind of go from obstacle to obstacle to obstacle. And it was interesting. Eli was pretty fearless and would just kind of go with them. I was very, very tentative And I would get up there and it would start spinning a little bit on me, but Eli took off and I knew if I didn't bring him home, Heidi would never forgive me for it. So I I would kind of muster my courage and I would step on the wobbly thing or the thing that swung back and forth. And my heart was pounding and I was kind of hanging on to anything that I could hang on to. And Eli would zip across something and then I would kind of crawl my way across it. And then he would wait for me on the next platform, and I would get there, and he he'd say, "Dad, let's zip line." And he would just like dive off this platform and zip line right on down through. Well, I would stop and pray and confess my sins and make sure I was right with the Lord and recite some scripture, and because I thought I was going to die, and then I would do it, and I would zip across it. What happened was, was interesting to me. Like I said, we're up there for three or four hours. It was a big course that we were doing. The longer I was up there and the longer I was in that, let's call it a trial, let's call it a hardship. The longer I was in there and the longer I was in that hardship, the more I learned to trust my safety harness. See, when I first got up there, and trust it. And so, in fact, I wound up the day I had blisters, really bad blisters, because I was hanging on to the cables so strongly. I was so scared with it. But as we went through the trials, I learned to trust my safety harness. And as I learned to trust my safety harness, this is what happened to my mindset, ready? My mindset became the worst that's gonna happen is my safety harness is going to catch me. Like, I'm not going to die. I'm not even going to get hurt. There's not a hardship or danger that can affect me because I have a safety harness and it's rated for like 2,000 pounds and I put on a little bit of weight, but not that much. Nothing can actually hurt me because I'm harnessed to the safety line. And this is what happened. Ready? Catch this. Get it. Ready? As I learned to trust my safety harness, I started to think like a victor, like a conqueror, like an overcomer. And instead of being afraid to take the next step, Eli and I started to have this little bit of a competition to see who could do the obstacles the fastest, who could zip the furthest the fastest. And my mindset changed because my faith and my safety harness changed. And I went from being tentative and scared to being a person who was, was, I was exhilarated by what I was doing. I I was adventurous suddenly in what I was doing. I I couldn't wait to do the next obstacle because I was so confident that no danger would befall me because I was harnessed. You with me here? Catching it? That's what Paul's saying. He's not looking at us saying, you got to get a hold of the human spirit and think positively and you can overcome it. It's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, listen, Christ follower, you are harnessed. If, if you're hooked to God, what's going to happen to you? There's nothing going to happen to you. If, if God doesn't even spare his own son, he's, he's not going to cut the cable, wire up. The, I mean, he's giving you everything that he can give you. If, if you're hooked to God, if you're locked into that, what, what can what can possibly overcome that is life, death, hardship. Jesus defeated all of that when he rose again from the grave. The battle is being fought, but the war's been won. I got to get from point A to point B and there's obstacles in the middle, but I'm going to finish the course and I'm going to be just fine. And when I remember that the war has been won, it redefines how I approach the battles that I'm engaging in that moment. There's a reason why the Great Commission is so tied to the resurrection. Jesus is looking at his people and he's saying, listen, you're good, done. Resurrection, done, right? You are harnessed. If I'm with you, nobody's against you. You are going to win this. So go through the battle from a place of spiritual victory. When you think about the outcome, remember there's spiritual victory. Nothing will happen to you because I have won This war, now you be faithful in the battle, in the trial, in the difficult time in life, you will come against hardship. They just won't separate you from me. You will come against persecution. It's just not going to take me anywhere. You will come against trials and difficulties, but you're not going to be defeated by them. That's the obstacles. But you're hooked to me. And I have proved who I am and illustrated my love and my power through my death, my burial, and my resurrection. Guys, I really believe that the church is always the brightest when the days are the darkest. And in the midst of what we're going through in your personal life, in our community, and in our church, we don't need to just survive it. We're not just going to get through it. We're not going to hunker down. We need to take ground. We need to move forward. We need to take advantages of the opportunities that God has given us that we had no idea that he wanted to gift to us, but he has, and they're before us, and we are harnessed and it's, it's time to jump and move. We need to take ground. You need to take ground in your faith during this time. I bet you because of, of the sicknesses and because of the finances, I bet you, many of you have prayed in ways that you haven't prayed in years. You have the opportunity to, to, to live on faith in the way that you haven't lived on faith in years. Where is the next paycheck going to come from? Do we keep being faithful to the Lord even though the job's on the line? How are we going to get through this? That's an opportunity to take ground. It's not something to be scared of. You're harnessed. Nothing's going to happen to you. Extend your faith. Deepen your relationship with Christ. Spend time in God's word. Pray with your family. Talk to your kids about God's faithfulness. See the glimpses of grace and his generosity that are all around you. Have that conversation with your roommate. Don't just survive. Don't just ask for peace. Take ground and move forward with it. Take ground relationally. You know, we can look and say, yeah, we're all trapped in the house together. And I know that we have those moments and every family has those moments. There's nothing wrong with your family. Every family has those moments. But the other side of it is we're all in the house together. And that's hard sometimes to cause that to happen. Before all this started, we were often looking and saying, I can't keep up with the kids. They're running a thousand different directions. I, I can't, you know, I'm working so much. I'm trying to, trying to get this new deal and make this more money. Well, now all that's stripped away. I have this amazing opportunity to be at home with my family. And so do you. We have played more games We have had more conversations. We have enjoyed each other more. And then we got to get away from each other once in a while. But take ground relationally. Deepen your relationship with your friends. Deepen your relationship with your children. Deepen your relationship with your spouse. See, Don't survive it. Don't have that attitude. You're a conqueror. You're not a survivor. Take ground relationally. Take ground with those who are searching. You know, here at Grace, we pray for our three, three people every day by name that God would give you the opportunity to share the reason for the hope that's within you. The opportunity to proclaim the gospel is greater now than it's been in the last decade. Folks are looking for hope. They want to know why you have a different perspective they're looking for something to hold on to. We need to know somebody's in control. There's a lot of folks that don't know there's a safety harness. He's got to lock in. See, they don't know that. So take ground with those who are searching. And maybe for you as an individual, you need to take ground in your relationship with Christ. You know, I bet for some of us, I bet for some of us four weeks ago, We weren't thinking about God nearly as much as we're thinking about God now. And four weeks ago, if it was a beautiful Easter weekend, maybe we would go to church, maybe not. Four weeks ago, if our friends shared the link to this conversation or asked me to join, I might've just kind of blown them off. But now there's there's a different curiosity because God is working in your life. And remember, he loves you. He's not out to get you, he loves you. So even when things don't go the way that we want them to go, even for you, if if you're not a Christ follower yet, the story of Easter is really for you. That there's a God who did not spare his own son. His son, Jesus Christ, willingly laid his life down Jesus was not murdered. His life was not taken from him. He gave his life. And then by his own authority, he raised again from the dead. He is God. The resurrection is not just a a religious myth or a fable or a metaphor. It's a historical fact. There's all kinds of documentation for it in ancient history. It is out there and it happened. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead makes possible the salvation and the forgiveness of your sins. He wants you to have that. He looks and he knows, the Bible says, God wishes that none would perish. God knows that you're on life's high ropes course without a safety line. And that every jump is life and death. And what's happened in our culture, is suddenly that course got incredibly difficult. Everything from getting sick to being alone to having our financial blankets ripped out from under us. And Jesus came to love you and to rescue you and to help you and to offer Romans 8 to you. He would look and say, I, I want to be before you, hook in. I, I don't want anything to separate you from me, hook in. I want you to be able to, to have security even though things are tough right now, hook in. See? And I want you to receive the forgiveness of your sin and the salvation that I died to offer you. Take ground. You've been thinking about Christ for a long time you've been thinking about your spiritual health for a long time, grab it now, see, take ground. Don't just ask a higher power for a little bit of encouragement. Talk to a living God and ask him for salvation and all of the help and all of the power that he wants to give you to follow him and to know him and to count these trials as joy. In the middle of all of this, in the middle of the health scares and being confined to the house and the financial pressures, we have to stop thinking about what we've lost and we have to start dreaming about what we can win. We have to stop thinking about what we lost and we have to start dreaming about what we can win. What ground can be taken? If you're a Christ follower, you are to think this way. You're a conqueror. You're an overcomer. That does not mean that you get rich, that you get famous and that your hair grows back. That means that you have an opportunity to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, to achieve an eternal glory, which far outweighs the light momentary troubles that we're going through, to grow in your relationship with God and to grow in your relationships with the people that God has placed in your life. You have to remember that you're clipped in. You're not going anywhere. So you find joy in the ride. Enjoy the ride. See where God takes you and see what he wants to do in you. But we got to have a taking ground mindset. You are the people of God. You don't lose. There's no way for us to lose. It's who we are through Christ. See, Through Christ, there's no way for us to lose. You are a child, a son or a daughter of God. You cannot be defeated. You can't lose. You can't be defeated. If God's before you, who's gonna be against you? How in the world do you lose? You can't. Because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You stand shoulder to shoulder with Christ, see. He is with us and with us in the midst of all this. He allowed this. He's opening up opportunities that we would have never seen, never asked for, never imagined. But he wants to give them to you for you to grow in him, for you to advance his kingdom, and for you to lay up for yourselves eternal glory. It's a golden opportunity, but it has to be taken hold of. Jesus says something fascinating and powerful in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says this, he says, the thief, that's the evil one, the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I've come that you may have salvation and you may have a full life, a meaningful life, a life of eternal worth and value. That's what I've come to give you. When you receive my salvation, that's what I have given you. It's not something you work for and maybe earn your way into one day. That is the identity of the follower of Jesus Christ. We've got to grab it. We have to live that way. Got to live that way, right? Guys, listen, take hold of the resurrection Grab it, look what God did. Take hold of the mission that he gave us. We take hold of the resurrection. We do that for our salvation, the eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. If you've never received that, ask God for that right now, from your heart to his heart. He doesn't care what you say, he cares what you mean. Quit thinking about your relationship with God and take ground on it. Take hold of the resurrection. Take hold of the resurrection when it comes to your life right now. Get out of the bunker mentality. How do we survive it? How are we going to get through? And look around and see all of the spiritual opportunities God has given to you. They are everywhere. Every good and perfect thing comes from above. And the things around us, these opportunities are from God. Grab hold of those things Invest your life into it. And as you live from your identity, as we live from the position of power and victory that is Christ, the resurrection, as we embrace the, the, the safety line, God's before us, who can be against us? It changes our mindset to the mindset of a victor, the mindset of a conqueror and when we enter difficult times and just life in general from that mindset, what happens is this. When we remember that the war is won, click, it completely changes how we engage the battles. And we can move from fearful to adventurous, from hesitant to enthusiastic because God's gonna do great, great things through this time and through his people, and in your heart by his salvation, right? The message and the hope of Easter is never more powerful and never heard more clearly than it is right now. So grab it for salvation, for life, and let's celebrate who Christ is and what he's done. Would you pray for it with me real quick here? Jesus, love you. Lord, thank you for what you did for us. We, we are grateful and blown away. We celebrate it. We, people of faith build their life off of it. So thank you so much. Thank you for offering your life. Thank you for being the God that you claim to be and taking your life back up. God, we don't want to be people who are self-help people or people who are believe in ourselves people. Not at all. We do want to be people of faith and we want to believe that we are who you say we are. And so with humility and gentleness and respect, we want to live life from that place of victory and to do that in our faith and to do that in our love for you and our love for other people. So God, would you begin now to do the, the complete work of Easter in us, so to say that we receive our salvation, but we also receive our outlook and we receive our mission that you set us on as your people. Thank you, Jesus. Empower us to that end even now. And it's in your mighty and precious and famous name that we pray. Amen.